Um, we are going to go into today's scripture reading. And today's scripture reading, actually, it's going to be 1 Samuel chapter 8. And because it's going to be, we're going to go over the whole chapter. Because we're going to do that, we're actually not going to read that right now, but I will read it in the course of the, the, the sermon. I uh, hope that's okay. And so today's sermon uh, is going to be um, Need a King. Uh, we are uh, continuing our sermon series uh, talking about how we build a firm foundation of faith. And we have been going through a lot of the Old Testament, trying to understand the Old Testament uh, in, in sort of uh, terms of the new covenant uh, as we are Christ followers. You know, what do we do with all of this? And one of the things that you probably recognized uh, as we read through uh, the Bible is that we talk a lot about kings. And uh, uh, <laughs> I think, Hadam, Hadam, were you the one who picked the songs in the, the opening set list? You picked it together. Okay. They were all songs about kings. I don't know if you noticed that. It's like, there is a king, humble king, king of kings. And, you know, <laughs> and then the last song is called Captain. It's not, <laughs> but, <laughs> but they're all songs about kings. And, you know, you, you might have noticed that we don't have a king nowadays. Um, and, and maybe we can actually relate to where the Israelites were, were in, 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 at the point uh, we've been following the story of the Israelites. And at this point where we left off, uh, we were in the book of Judges. And what it says in the book of Judges is there was no king in Israel. Right? They didn't have a king. Um, and, and that the people did basically whatever was, what, what they thought was right in their own eyes. Right? People just did their own thing. So um, this might be actual footage of what the Israelites looked like back then. Um, uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, that's those are the hyenas from Lion King. No king, no king. La 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 la. So maybe it was like that. I'm not sure how happy they were about not having a king. You're going to find out that if they were happy about it at some point, they stopped being happy about it. But maybe for us, we would look at that as a good thing, right? We're like, who would want a king anyways? But what you find uh, is that the people actually do want a king. And that I, th I want to argue this morning, and maybe this seems kind of strange because we don't have a king, right? It, it, uh, America is not, it's not a monarchy, right? Um, and, and maybe, you know, it seems like an outdated concept in many ways. And, and, and we, we probably think about God or, or Jesus being a king like in, in a metaphorical sense. But I want to argue this morning that we all need a king. And actually, what you're going to see is the heart cry of the people. They really did want a king, you know? Um, and that seems kind of strange. But let's take a look. So let's, let's uh, dive right in. This is 1 Samuel chapter 8. So when Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. So what was going on at the time is that the Israelites did not have a king per se, but they had judges. And we mentioned this last week, that judges were the leaders, the de facto leaders. And you have to understand that kings often came through succession. It came through birth, right? And so you would have a hereditary line of kings. But for judges, it was just whoever God would raise up at the, at the time. Right? Much more kind of like our, our society. You know, whoever was most fit for the job, God would just raise them up. And there, there were all kinds of judges. Some were better than others. Some were military leaders. Some weren't. You know, you even had a female judge, Deborah. 
You know, and, and these, these judges were raised up for a time to help Israel in a time of crisis. And then after a while, the people would stop listening to the judge. And Samuel, in many ways, um, and his sons represent the last judges of Israel. Um, and so Samuel, who was also a prophet, uh, many of them were, um, he made his sons judges over Israel, but we're going to find out they weren't very good. So let's continue. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, uh, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. So they were bad, bad judges, right? They're, they were uh, uh they were corrupt. And so the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. Now, you might be thinking, okay, so you've got these corrupt uh, uh, judges, right? The sons of Samuel, they're doing bad. Why do the people of Israel, the elders, ask for a king? Because in many ways, what you're going to find out is kings oftentimes are more corrupt than the judges. Why? Because kings have more power. Right? You ever hear that whole, like, um, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely? The more power you have, the more it tends to corrupt you. So does this seem like a good idea to you? Why? Why would they cry out for a king? Now, for many of us, uh, again, this doesn't really make sense because this is what we picture when we see a king. You know, this is from Hamilton, King George. And, uh, you know, these kings that would, uh, the, the, I don't know if you guys can see, uh, but it, the, the subtext is, it says, I will kill your friends and family to remind you of my love. That's pretty messed up, right? And we think about kings being really messed up. And King George was the king of England at the time that America became independent, right? And, and fought against England and gained its independence. And so we have a, a, a history with kings, and it's not a good one. We don't want them, right? We don't want these kings taxing us indiscriminately. We don't want these kings uh, telling us what to do, right? And that is very much a part of our country, uh, country's history and our cultural heritage. And so, you know, again, this passage seems really strange. You know, why... Would they want a king when they have seen human leaders fail them? But this is the thing. I think we're very similar. You know, you may have a human leader that fails you, and we're like, ah, yeah, Donald Trump, not so great, but Joey Biden, mm, he's where it's at. Oh, if it's not Joey Biden, then it's going to be Kamala. If it's not Kamala, then it's going to be whoever's next, right? And we, we, for many of us, like, you know, we, we have a hope. We have a hope that our human leaders will be better. You know, whoever it is for you, I don't know if it's Obama, if it's Ronald Reagan, I don't know. There's some president, there's some leader that we, we look at and we're like, ah, oh, that was the dude or that was the lady. That's the person. You know, that's the person we can put our hope in. And, and for some reason, we're willing to forgive all of these inferior leaders, right? And, and with a, like, like, no one is like, hey, maybe, maybe we shouldn't have a president. You know, like, like the, the, the last one, not so great. Maybe, maybe we would just get rid of it altogether. You know, but there's still a hope in human leaders. So even if we in this country don't have a king, we still want a good president, right? 
And, you know, so there, there, there's something to this, this desire to have a king. Let's continue. So the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. I mean, maybe personally, Samuel's kind of taking it personally because he's like, oh, you don't, want, you don't like my sons, right? What are you saying about me? What are you saying about me as a father? I don't know. But Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you. I know that's what it feels like. But really, they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So God makes it very, very clear that they are rejecting God as king by seeking out a human king. Now, maybe for some of you, you're like, Pastor Steve, what's wrong with having a human leader? We, we all need human leaders, right? Now, that may be true, but I think that there is something more going on. There is something that a king represents, this person who you're going to give absolute power to, right? You're going to give them the power over you, right? Um, but in many ways that this person not only has responsibilities to you, but you have responsibilities to them, right? And, and so the, the, the people, they, they want a good leader. Remember, we said that the, the people are in a land that is hostile and dangerous. They're in a place where um, there's a lot of enemies, who want to harm them, right? And oftentimes in this country, I mean, we forget. We forget what countries used to be like. I mean, you know, at modern times, it's unusual how much peace we have. You know, but there was a time where if some bandits or some, you know, roaming marauders would come in and pillage and kill everyone in your town, you'd be like, well, that's Tuesday. You know, okay, maybe not that routine, but it wouldn't be that unusual, right? That's just the world we lived in. It was a dangerous world. And what has happened in recent times is that, you know, if that would have happened, um, you know, uh, there, there's a lot of people that are like, okay, you know, there, there's, there's a marauder. What are you going to do? But with the rise of kings and with the rise of leaders and governments, there is a promise that is made to the people, whether you know it or not. And the promise is, I will keep you safe. I will keep you safe. Right? Now, this is part of the reason why um, people are usually willing to give up more freedom, to, to give more power to the government whenever something bad happens, like terrorism. Right? 9-11. After that, right, like, like is the, you know, one of the biggest uh, terrorist attacks on U.S. soil, right? Thousands of people died, right? And, you know, we were willing to give up all of these, these, these freedoms and liberties that we used to have. We were okay as a society with certain people in our country being unfairly treated 
You know, people who were, were perceived to be Muslim being persecuted and, and having their freedoms taken from them. We're like, okay, but we need to be safe, right? We're okay with now taking off our shoes and having all the security and not being able to have your loved ones go to the gate at the airport. We were okay with all of that because the promise was that we would be safe. I mean, brothers and sisters, I know I'm not saying anything that's maybe unusual. Maybe we just take these things for granted. But the truth is that our leaders can't keep us safe. I'm not trying to say that. This is not a threat or anything. It's just a fact, right? Like, you know, there's car accidents kill way more people than terrorists ever will, you know? And, and it's, it's something that we've just come to accept, right? But it's, it's not like anytime there's a car accident, we're like, where was Joe Biden, right? You know, or, or someone, you know, dies of cancer or diabetes or something. We're like, where was Trump, you know? But there is this sense in which we think these people are supposed to keep us safe. And, I mean, you know, just the, the, the insanity of, like, sometimes things happen, right? And we cannot control all those things. You could have the toughest president or the, the most strict king who, who just completely eliminates everyone's freedom in order to keep us safe, and stuff will still happen. Right? You know that. You know that on some intellectual level. It doesn't keep us from wanting it. Why is terrorism or the stuff that happened in Atlanta this past week so disconcerting? It pops our illusion of safety and control. Right? We would like to think that we are completely safe and everything is under control. Right? Society is just very well organized and ordered. Right? Nothing bad is ever going to happen to me. And then we have this thing that happens that, I mean, you, you know, I'm not minimizing their pain. I, I want to be clear. What happened in Atlanta is horrible. But if you just think about the numbers, right? If you think about statistically, what are the chances that that would actually happen to you? It's very, very small. I mean, there are times in our history that were way more unsafe than what we have now. Right? But when these things happen and they're all over the news and then you start picturing yourself, you know, when the victims kind of look like you too, you just start picturing yourself, what would I do if someone came in, if a gunman came in? And it's terrifying. Oh my gosh, I can't do anything. I'm not safe. Right? It's absolutely terrifying. And there is so many of us. I mean, you can just imagine the Israelites. They're like, listen, Samuel, your kids, your sons are goofing off, and they are uh, uh, corrupt, and they are not protecting us. We need a king. It sounds a little different, doesn't it, now? You can understand a little bit, can't you? And, and, and God is saying, listen, I'm your king. I protected you all this time. And they're like, but Samuel, we feel exposed, right? Okay, God, you've helped us in the past, but come on. We want a flesh and blood king with real armies and real swords and real shields to protect us and defend us with real power, right? Doesn't sound so crazy anymore. Doesn't sound so unspiritual when you understand it in that sense. Don't all of us then want a king? 
Don't all of us want a sense of security, some assurance, somebody strong who is going to protect us? How do we know? How do we know that something bad isn't going to happen to us? Right? And so the people, they make a compromise. Right? They're like, okay, we want a king. Whatever it's going to take, just give us a king. Just give us a king. Right? And, and God's like, okay, listen to them. Give them their king, but you need to warn them what's going to happen to them. And so Samuel does. There's a lot to give up to a human king, right? Because human kings, as you know, are imperfect. Even the best ones are not perfect. And so Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. Now, I want to stop here because I think what I was expecting didn't happen. What I was expecting is that Samuel was going to launch into this whole thing about how corrupt kings can be, and they're going to enslave you, and they're going to abuse you, and they're going to do all these horrible things. They're going to take like unfair taxes and all these things. Samuel doesn't do that. Do you, do you see what he says? He just says that this is going to be the ways of the king. He's going to take your sons, and he's going to put them in his army. That's what, what he said. And then he's also going to take other people and he's going to force them to work in the fields. Now, you might be like, see, that's, that's, that's bad, right? But, you know, governments and, you know, all throughout the ages, you need people to work, right? And so people aren't working the fields. You need someone to do it, right? What's so bad about the king saying, hey, we need some people to plow the fields, right? And then he will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. No, it's not so horrible, is it? Like, I, I don't know, maybe you just really don't like perfume, but it isn't this terrible abuse of power. But what it is, it is power. So what is going on? What a king can do at any moment is tell you, hey, you over there, Haram, you're going to be in the army. John, you're going to plow the field. Connie, you're going to be a baker. You're like, but I don't want to be a baker. I don't like bread. Well, I don't want to be in the army. You have no choice. I'm the king. You made me king. I have ultimate power. So if I tell you to go into the army and fight for our nation, you're going to do it. By the way, in this country, they can have a draft, right? You're going to have to fight for this country, by the way, right? But there's this idea that, you know, for a lot of us, we don't like that. And by the way, drafts are very unpopular, you know? And, and at any moment, um, you know, I, I remember uh, a few years back, um, I can't remember if it was Iraq or Afghanistan, they were talking about a draft. And what, what people said to the senators who were considering this, they were like, okay, then would you be okay with your children being drafted? If you're okay with your children being drafted, then we can talk. And it changed the conversation. Changed the conversation. Because it's one thing to send other people to die. But when you have to send your own kids, when it's you who has to go, right? But there is somebody that can tell you to go, and you have to go, right? And so this in and of itself, it creates a paradox. I want to show you that people do not know what they're asking for. They think they know, 
but they absolutely don't know. They're asking for a king who can tell them what to do even when they don't want to do it. But check it out. <laughs> I want to show you this. So, um, it says, he will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. Now, this is a little bit worse, right? Uh, now, they, now we start talking about taxes. He will take the tenth of your grain and your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. Now, this isn't so good. And in that day, you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. So yes, there is a sense in which kings can abuse their power. But it is the power in and of itself that is a problem. Why? Because you're going to see this. (laughs) I want to point this out to you. I've read this passage before, and I didn't really notice this, but check this out. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but there shall be a king over us. Now, okay, listen. (laughs) Samuel is a judge, right? Samuel already has power over that. And Samuel's like, okay, listen, I've got a direct line with God. I'm a prophet of Israel. I'm a judge of Israel. And I'm telling you, you do not want a king, right? So I'm, I'm warning you. Don't want a king. And they're like, no, we want a king. We want a king over us. We want a king who has power over us. They did not obey the voice of Samuel. They did not obey the voice of God. You think they're going to obey the voice of a king? You think they're going to want to obey the voice of the king? But this is what they're asking for. They're asking for someone to have absolute power over them. And that's why Samuel's like, listen, I don't think you understand. The king can take your family. They can take you. They can take whatever they want, whenever they want to. That's what you're signing up for. This is the paradox of of wanting a king, right? And and so they, they say this. They say, but there shall be a king over us, that we may also be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. They want a king to keep them safe. They want a king that they can be proud of, a king that will stand for their nation. They want this heroic figure who will go out and he's got a cape billowing behind him. He's got a sword. He's got a gleaming crown. And he's just got a noble posture and just, right, leading them into battle, glorious, just like all the other nations. They look at the other nations. They're like, look at that king. He's so cool. Right? He's so powerful. We want someone like that. We want someone to lead us and, and to lead us into glory. And we want someone to keep us safe. And we want someone that will strike fear into our enemies. We want all of that. And that our king may judge us. That's what judges did. They made decisions. What if you don't like the decision of the judge? Too bad. So what is going on here? We want someone who is better than us. We want someone stronger than us to defend us. We want someone wiser than us to make decisions, right? But at the end of the day, the people are like, yeah, but you, Samuel, Mm, no, we're not listening to you, but this is coming from God. God is telling you to do this. Mm, We don't want that. We don't think that's best for us. Do you see what's going on here? It's a paradox. Right? And this is the paradox that you have to reconcile if you want to have a king. 
Now, you, you probably already saw it from a million miles away, right? When you saw the title of the message, Need a King, you already knew the king is supposed to be Jesus. You're like, Pastor Steve, I know that. You know, yes, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, all these people, they cannot be as good a king as God. Got it. Understood, right? But this is the thing. I think for many of us, we are caught in this kingly contradiction, just like the people of Israel, right? Because on one hand, they want someone who knows better than them, someone who's more powerful than them, someone who's wiser than them. But on the other hand, we don't want anyone to tell us what to do <laughs> because we don't trust that, that, people, that those people know better than us, Right? Because if you can't understand it, in some ways, you know, we're like, yeah, but I, I, it just doesn't make sense to me, right? So what kind of king, what kind of, 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 I mean, you know, and then you start going into the order of God. If you say the king or God knows way better than you, maybe there's something you will not understand, right? They're just wiser than you. They just know stuff that you don't know. Right? And what the king is saying is like, hey, listen, you got to listen to what I say because I'm the king. I see things you don't see. And, and, and I need you to follow my voice. If you do, your life will be better. And this is what the Israelites, they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. We want a king because we want some of that stuff. We want you to defend us. We want to feel safe. But when we don't understand what you say, when we don't like what you say, we're not going to obey. Can you have it both ways? And this is exactly what Samuel is warning the people. You don't really want a king, or at least you don't understand what it is that you're signing up for. And by the way, in some ways, you should be suspicious of kings because you are signing over your rights to them. You are giving them ultimate power. And there are some people that would gladly give their power to dictators or to bad presidents or to to corrupt kings in that illusion that they can keep them safe. We do all kinds of horrible things to people in the name of safety. Right? Well, I feel safe. So if you keep all those bad people out of our borders, then we'll be safe. What about the bad people within your borders? Most of the, the shooters and most of the people, they were homegrown. They didn't come from other countries, right? Yet there are people, that, their entire platform, you know, the, like the main thrust of their platform will be, we're going to keep all the bad people out. I've got news for you. Lots of bad people within. It's not going to keep you safe. But we are willing to detain babies and take them from their children. Uh, take them from their parents, excuse me. Right? To rip children from the arms of mothers in the name of, well, you know, you got to do that. You got to be safe. There's other people that are like, this is too high a price to pay. But this is what happens when you give too much power. And so God is warning. God is warning, right? And, and he's saying, listen, I, I, I think I know what you want, and I can give that to you. This is the only way, friends. We need a better king. There's only one king who will rule with, with kindness and benevolence and knows what's best for us. Will he keep us safe? 
yes, in an ultimate sense. But there ain't nobody, there ain't nobody who can keep you safe from everything, right? I mean, this is just the world that we live in. There are preachers that would promise that. They would promise, like, oh, nothing bad is going to happen to you if you believe in the Lord. You know, they've been saying those for centuries. And guess what? All of those preachers and all the people who believe them, I mean, you know, if it was more than 100 years, I'm just saying, they're dead, (laughs) right? Everybody dies. But the God that we believe in, his power and his love is such that even if you die, his protection over you, his grip on your life does not end, right? And this God can protect you in an ultimate sense. It doesn't mean that there isn't bad stuff that will happen to you. Nobody can promise you that, right? But we can go through this life unafraid. Because even if the worst that this world can throw at us, we have a God that will hold you safe. This is the promise of so many uh, Christ followers throughout the ages, God believers throughout the ages, that they could face death, they could face the sword, they could face persecution, because they're like, what are you going to do to me? I know who my king is, right? And, and it's all in his hands anyways. When it's my time, it's my time. I will not live on this plane of existence forever. I will not live in this mortal flesh forever, but I will live with my king forever. Nobody can take that from me. And if you know that in your bones, in your spirit, in all that you are, you don't need to be afraid. If you know that God has a power over life and death, then you don't need to be afraid. And we don't need to sign over all of our rights to people who are not so good or not so just or gonna, you know, not going to act with benevolence, right? We can live our life with freedom, knowing that we actually do have a king that knows better than us. But this is the thing. In order for this to happen, um, we need the right king. Now, there is another way to solve the kingly contradiction, by the way. So it's, I want a king who can protect me, and at the same time, I think that I know better than anyone else, (laughs) right? And I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. Right? And so this is the modern solution. This is what we've done, is we have just kinged ourselves. Right? And so the king is me. Right? And so um, <laughs> I, I looked up two things. Um, the solution to uh, having a king is that one king needs to give up their throne. Right? And when I looked up king me, I, I, I know that's kind of like a term from checkers or whatever, but there were tons of pictures and tons of things about King Me. You know, I think there's a rapper named King Me, you know? It's like, like that's kind of a cool name. King Me, you know? It's like, uh, our society gets that. They're like, yeah, I'm the king. Yeah, me, right? And then I looked up this other thing, abdicate. And this was the best I could find. This is just crappy graphic, right? <laughs> Giving up the throne is this crappy vector art thing. I mean, I don't, I don't even know, right? It's so bad, right? But we get beautiful art for King Me. Oh, I'm the king. I'm the king, right? And, and this is the thing. Friends, you cannot keep yourself safe. That's why so many people turn to other leaders and to other people. 
I mean, there's a lot of people that are like, yeah, I'm going to be the one in charge. I know better. What have you done with that authority and with that ability to lead your life? Has it led you to the life that you want? There are many people that are like, yeah, yeah, I guess I was the king, but I'm not a very good king. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. I mean, there's some of us, we struggle to get up in the morning, let alone run our finances, let alone to know the future, let alone to control the whole universe. We're not that good. We're not that good. But this is what our society, this is the only solution our society has. You know, there might be some people hearing this message and they're trekking along. They're like, yeah, no king. Human kings are bad. But we have just traded one king for another. We all need a king. We all need someone in charge. It's just in the modern experiment, that person happens to be us. We're the one in charge. We're the one with ultimate authority and power, at least the illusion of it. Because the truth is, is we just, we're just not that powerful. We're just not that good. And so brothers and sisters, all of us, we are going to realize this at one time or another. And, and I'll tell you, friends, the time when most people are willing to entertain, like, okay, we need a more powerful ruler, right? We need to give the king, the president, more powers, is when crisis strikes, terrorist attack, something cataclysmic, war. Then we're like, yeah, yeah, king, king, come on, step in. We need you, right? But in a similar way, pretty much like if you think about like, like what is... What, how do we give up our throne? If God is supposed to be king, and, and there are many people who you hear messages like this, and you're like, yeah, Pastor Steve, that makes sense. Yeah, God should be king. But really, when you go on in the week, you're going to make all the decisions in your life. There might be even things that God puts on your heart, and you're like, yeah, maybe I should do that. But you'll be like, I don't feel like it, and you won't do it. So is God really the king of your life? If God asks you to do something, will you do it? You're like, well, I don't even know if that is God. And really, at the end of the day, we just follow our emotions. We do what we want to do. We are the kings. We are the queens. The only way that you can have a new king is you have to give up the throne. We call it conversion, right? We call it dying to ourselves. There's so much language in Scripture about this. And it really is kind of like a death. You have to give up that control. And for most people, you hear conversion stories of many, many great saints throughout the history. And, and most of the conversions happen in a time of crisis. Why? Because in the time of crisis, you realize, I'm not enough. I can't do this on my own. I'm not a good enough king to run my life. In the face of this, the foundations of my life are shaken. And some people get desperate. And they're like, God, maybe it is true. Maybe you can run my life. Maybe you can be in control. This is where we're going with all of this. Friends, from the very beginning, we told you, God created this world and he created us in his image. And we were in perfect fellowship with God. But that fellowship got broken because we said to God, no, I'm not going to obey you. I'm not going to follow you. You tell me that that fruit is not good, I beg to differ. It looks great, and I want to taste it. And so I'm going to eat it. 
and that fellowship got broken. And this entire story is about how we restore that relationship. But that relationship is not us telling God what, what to do or us trumping God with what we want and just getting the benefits of having a God but still being the one in the driver's seat. We must be the subjects of the king. We must say we have a God. God is a title higher than king. And we must obey. And we must live our life in alignment with this king. Remember, the the whole kingly contradiction, the first part of it is actually good. That part is that there is somebody who knows better than you. There is someone who's more powerful than you. right? And the problem with human kings is that a lot of times they're really not better than you. (laughs) They're just like you. They're just as flawed as you, right? They're just as petty and selfish as you. And so when it comes down to it, they're going to prioritize themselves over you. But we have a God who gave his only son for us to die for us. What king does that? Who gave up his power so that we could have life. That king is worthy to be followed. That king is worthy to bow our life before, right? And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about more about what that means, what kind of king this is, and how exactly we do that. I'm going to ask the priest team to come up. And I just want to ask a simple question as we sing this last song. Maybe you have even thought to yourself, yeah, Pastor Steve, I prayed the prayers. You know, I was at a retreat once, And I asked Jesus to be my Savior. This is the thing. You also need to not just ask, but really live with Jesus as your Lord. What does that mean? He's your king. I know it doesn't sound good to our modern ears. We don't like the idea of having a king, other than just metaphorically. Oh, you're great, King Jesus, right? But not this, well, if if Jesus is king, we got to do what he says we got to live our life in accordance with him, right? And I just want to ask the question, where are you? Where are you? Are you the king of your life? Who is the king of your life? Is it King me or is it King Jesus? I'm just going to ask that question. Let's just take a moment to reflect. And praise team, we're going to, I'm just going to have the praise team sing this song. And let this be the prayer. I just, just try to answer that question for yourself. Who is king of your life? King me or King Jesus?